Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. So, Cora, question What's a glaring mistake the Marvel Cinematic Universe has made by casting Tom Holland as Spider Man? Now, this question itself doesn't really deserve an answer because the question has a clear implicit bias where this person doesn't like Tom Holland for some reason and wants an argument as to why they should not be Spider-Man. And they've even gone out and said it should be a glaring mistake, but they aren't smart enough to come up with their own answer. So I'm betting every answer that this question got was, what's wrong with Tom Holland? Honestly, as far as the Peter Parker character goes, he seems fine with me. Uh, As far as casting goes, I think they did a pretty good job. He seems like a pretty good Spider-Man and people like him. So who cares? But people in the world do take their movies very seriously. But it's it's the the glaring bias of the question that actually struck my attention. It's, it's the incredible desire to find a specific solution to a problem and they can't come up with themselves. So they turn to other people in the hopes that they'll have something that they could then turn on the people who actually like Tom Holland, those Tom Holland lovers and then use this one glaring mistake to burn them to the ground. Well, it's not going to happen. Cora question, who is Kate Upton and what are some stunning photos of her? Again, I'm not going to take any time to find stunning photos of Kate Upton. It just seemed weird to me that if you don't know who someone is, which the initial premise of the question says, who is Kate Upton? If you don't know who she is, how do you know there are stunning photos of her? So clearly, this isn't a question that needs an answer. This is someone saying, I'm too lazy to use Google. I want some masturbatory material. Could you please go find it for me? And luckily, this is a podcast, which is a non-visual medium. So yeah, I found a whole bunch right here. Cora question, what are the unintended consequences of the Me Too movement? Now, I initially thought that the person asking this was looking for ways to criticize the Me Too movement. But there is actually one unintended consequence that I found very interesting. And it's at the moment, as we know, part of the Me Too movement came about because so many people in charge are men. So most men are bosses in companies, let's say. And the problem that has arisen is that these men, who are not bad men, they're not the people who are being accused of any sort of misbehavior or anything like that, They are now starting to shy away from mentoring women because it would require them to be in close proximity to them, work closely with them, uh, and that opens them up to these accusations that they're seeing other people get. Now, that's not to say they would actually do anything wrong, but a false accusation is enough to tank a career. So the safe position for these men in positions of power is to avoid mentoring women, which means they're actually putting women in a position where they cannot move up within these companies. 
So they aren't getting better positions or promotions. Those are going to men who these bosses can mentor and not worry about accusations in the same way. So I am not critical of the Me Too movement. I think it's a necessary thing. Of course, like all things in society, there's a balancing. You push hard one way, there's push back, and then it sort of balances out again. We are in a weird position where that hasn't actually finished. But yes, men in positions of power are now less likely to bring women into the fold of power that they have for fear of the accusations of the Me Too movement. If you listen to the podcast, uh, you know I live in Japan. And Japan, summertime is the time you sit around and tell ghost stories. I've just gotten back from my summer vacation. This is when all the horror movies would come out in Japan. It's when people would have uh, fires on the beach and tell each other ghost stories. Summertime is connected to the horror season in Japan, which is neat because in Western countries, it's October, maybe when you have Halloween and that's when all the scary things happen, scary stories, scary events, things like that. This has led me to do a little bit of research, which is an amazing thing, uh, which means I just was reading stuff on the internet and went down a bit of a rabbit hole. I started looking at Japanese folklore monsters because I started noticing there was a bunch of them that had very specific trends. The first trend I started to notice was, and these are very Japanese things, which is why it was interesting to me. The first set of monsters I want to talk about, I'm going to do this as a couple part series. The first set of monsters I want to talk about are ghosts or spirits of mistreated objects. So basically, if you don't take care of things in Japan, they will be imbued or take on an angry spirit or demon, so Japanese for that would be yokai, and then maybe make your life miserable or not. So the first one is mokumokuro. And this is the ghost of a mistreated sliding door. So you know in Japan they have sliding doors that are sort of covered in paper. Now, if you don't take care of those, uh, kids will poke holes in them, people bump into them and the paper rips. Those sliding doors, if you don't take care of them, will become mokumokuro. And what happens is the little holes in your screen sliding door will become eyeballs that watch you. Now, the reason I found this interesting is because I've seen that imagery in movies and video games. I've seen it in a couple horror movies. But of course, I just thought maybe it was a weird thing. Someone saw it. Maybe it got copied a couple times. And it's just one of those creepy weird things that came out of Japan. There is a traditional monster connected to it. In the stuff I read, it didn't say it does anything more than watch you. But I guess if you have a sliding door and it has eyeballs that watch you all the time, that's creepy enough. Like nothing really else has to happen for that to freak you out. The next one is Shiro Uneri. And this is an old mistreated kitchen towel. So it becomes like a white dragon. And what happens is the towel has gotten so angry because it's so mistreated. I assume because you don't wash it properly afterwards that it becomes a flying towel and it wraps around people's necks and they pass out from the smell. So it doesn't choke you to death and it doesn't seem like it actually kills you. It just knocks you unconscious and it's because it's so dirty and stinky because you haven't cleaned it properly. So this was the interesting theme that started cropping up. The Japanese have ghosts that inhabit almost specific attributes of you have to take care of things. And this old kitchen towel is one of them. Because if the kitchen towel gets too dirty, it's so stinky, it will actually attack you at night and knock you unconscious. It won't kill you, or at least it didn't say it would kill you. But when it wraps around your neck, my first thought was, it's going to choke you to death. No, it doesn't choke you to death. 
It just makes it really stinky and you pass out. The next one is Bakezori. Bakezori is the animated version of a pair of mistreated sandals. So if you have shoes that you don't take care of, uh, you don't treat them right, you don't appreciate them. What happens is they become animate and they run around at night and make noise. Again, they don't hurt you directly, but if you don't take care of your shoes, your shoes will make noise at night and freak you out and you won't be able to sleep. So in Japan, they sort of have the Shinto religion. And in the Shinto religion, of course, everything has a spirit of some sort within it. So every grain of rice has like its own god and you pray to the god of rice and the god of trees and the god of everything. So they have no problem extrapolating that concept to physical objects. And I think that's where it comes from. And then when they're talking to their kids, this is all supposition. I have nothing to back this up. When they're talking to kids, they have no problem connecting those objects to an actual spirit of some sort. So they can then say, if you don't take care of your shoes, your shoes will come to life and start making noise at night. If you don't wash the kitchen towel properly, the kitchen towel will come to life and attack you at night. If you don't take care of the screen door, if you start, keep poking holes in the screen door, they'll grow eyes and watch you as you move. And at night, that might be what it looks like. The last yokai for today isn't as malicious as the others. The other ones seem to be sort of angry at you for not taking care of them. This one is Kameosa. Now, Kameosa is a sake cup that has somehow become possessed, but it provides endless sake. Now, I couldn't tell if this was a good thing or a bad thing. Because endless sake, if you like sake, is a really good thing. You can drink and drink and drink. You don't have to pay any money. It just keeps filling itself up. That's amazing. But at the same time, if you drink too much, that could lead you to some perilous situations. That could cause you problems. That could actually kill you. So there was no indication as to whether or not the possessed sake cup was a benevolent or an evil spirit. They didn't actually indicate clearly if this was a good or a bad thing. And that might be because it's actually dependent on you. If you have an endless sake cup, you could stop drinking. Now, I assume it doesn't overflow. It's just when you drink it, it fills up again. And that's sort of the magic of the Japanese ceremony. When I go to the Bonenkai, which is the end of your party, I always have to go for judo. One of the things you do, it's very traditional, and they love it when foreign people do it, is you grab a bottle of beer and you walk around and you fill up everyone's beer cup. And there's actually some nice little traditions that go with it. But if done properly, and multiple people do this, your cup will actually never be empty because anytime you empty it, it just magically fills up again because everyone's passing it around. So I can see where that came from culturally. This is a cultural tradition and they've just made it magical in their own way. Uh, and since someone I know would ask afterwards anyways, when you hold the beer, you actually cover the label with your hand because you're embarrassed because the beer you're serving your guest or you're usually serving sort of someone up higher up in your group. And a lot of times, every time you fill it up, they, you have to chug it afterwards, stuff like that. It's all very drinking culture kind of stuff. I think you can guess most of the rest. That's one of the interesting things I learned about Japan is when you fill up other people's cups with a drink, you should actually cover the label so they can't see it and show your embarrassment about how you admire your guests so much that you should uh, be treating them better to some more expensive drinks. So as a final note, please take care of your sliding doors. Don't poke holes in them. Please wash your kitchen towels and you better take care of your sandals. I have mentioned spoiler culture a few times on the podcast because I really don't like it. It's not that I have a problem with people saying I don't want this story spoiled for me. Uh, I have a problem with the 
intense overreaction people seem to have built into society now as if it's the most important thing that stories don't get spoiled for them. Because at the end of the day, this is just fiction and entertainment and it doesn't really matter. I have cited a study multiple times in support of this idea. So there's my personal feeling is that it's dumb that people overreact so much about a TV show. But there was a study done that actually supported my belief. So there's a bias there because, of course, I wanted to believe the science that supported my belief. But, of course, this is Velocipodcast and we are true to the truth and we, and we believe in the truth and we, we will accept when we're not 100% right because I am about 90% right. But I can't rely exclusively on this one scientific study I read because there have been other studies that have been done and the science is not conclusive. Because of our change in culture surrounding spoilers, results have differed in different studies. So that would imply that the first group studied all felt the same way about spoilers, that they were not that important, that it didn't really ruin the story. But since then, people's feelings have changed. And I think this is maybe, again, a cultural development because we're teaching people as they grow up that having things spoiled for them is horrendous, that now they actually believe it, so it actually is ruined if it's spoiled for them in advance. So I'm thinking that the studies they're talking about are done now with younger groups, probably kids in college, who grew up with spoiler culture being a really big part of their lives. So in high school, they would freak out if someone told them the end of a, a story or a season or something before they'd actually seen it. This has become a common thing. So now their belief system is built around this being actually true. So now it is actually true. So what we've actually learned is that spoilers and spoiler culture has actually ruined society. And let me spoil the end of that. Everyone ends up unhappy. So what we need to do now is teach people that it's not a big deal. You need to take up this banner. This is a banner I've been holding by myself for years and years and years. Take up the banner that spoilers are not something you should try and go out of your way to do. Because there was that guy, there was a, a crime in Antarctica. And it was one of the only crimes committed there. And it was... This scientist hated this other scientist, so he kept spoiling the endings of books for him, and the other guy got so frustrated, he'd actually stabbed him. So one of the only crimes committed in Antarctica was because of spoilers. But that was malicious. He was doing it to diminish the pleasure the other person had. I don't agree with that. But if in a conversation where two people are talking about a movie and you haven't seen the end of the movie, you do not have the right to freak out on them because they talk about something you haven't seen yet. You can extrapolate yourself from the conversation. You can say, oh, I don't want to hear this. Or you can just accept that maybe the ending of a TV show or a movie, learning about it before you actually see it, isn't the biggest problem you've ever encountered in your life. So I can no longer say that my opinion is scientifically backed. I can say that society has been ruined because of it. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast. The in, in that's my, my 